Welcome to episode 26 of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC anime universe co-created by Bruce Tim. I'm Chris Lord. I'm Cameron Dexter. And uh, we got some I Am the Knight this week. We got some Count Vertigo this week. And the start of the Roz story. Yeah. I, so I was thinking about that. I think this is, this is kind of the first time we've had an episode that's really setting up another episode. Yeah. Right? I mean, one could argue that uh, with the Hard Act episodes, was it actually called Hard Act? What was the episode called? Uh, those were Heart of Steel. Heart of Steel. With those, they're kind of setting up Batgirl, mm-hmm. but uh, I'd say not as much as this. Like, this ends on a point where, like, oh, there's more story to be told here. Yeah, clearly. this was really nice. Yeah. And I, it's funny, because the guy who wrote this also wrote one of our least favorite episodes. I have a note. My first note for Off Balance is, oh, God, Len Wine. <laughs> yeah. And it's good. Yeah. It's actually really solid. better. Yeah. And so what's interesting, too, is that uh, this episode kind of, like... Um, Moon of the Wolf, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, just a direct adaptation of a comic. Oh, I didn't. Know. I actually did no research for this episode. Yeah, <laughs> it's fine. That's so what I'm, I'm here I'm for. I'm sorry for everyone listening. That's fine. I have actually some animation questions for you. So you just, okay, your I, brain. Maybe has I can the help. research prepared ahead of time at all times. But uh, I think it's interesting that they have Len Wine. Is it seems like kind of their go-to guy for just adapting existing stories. And he didn't write that one. So he wrote Moon of the Wolf. Uh, this was a Denny O'Neill comic. Okay, so. I don't know. It's interesting. They they picked him to do it, but he uh, I'd say he redeemed himself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Fucking travesty. And this uh, these two episodes uh, were it was a new animation studio that came in, which is why Batman kind of has like a. I noticed it kind of in the first episode more, but he has more of like a, a wider chin. I don't know if yeah. you picked that up. It kind of bugged me for a little bit, but then I just kind of forgot about it. He did. Okay, that that might start to answer some questions I have about animation, which I'll, I'll get to a specific, very specific moment um, to talk about it. But um, yeah, I guess we can just talk about the episodes this week. I don't have any like crazy Batman news or anything else to talk about. Yeah, so. uh, I mean, it was the new Guardians trailer. Oh, that's pretty yeah. cool. That did look really good. Um, but that's not DC. That that's is not, not what we're no, about. Yeah, we don't we don't care Fuck about Marvel. Marvel. <laughs> DC and all their success, all the way, and all their really good movies that I get far more excited about. Yep. <laughs> You know what's great? Being let down all the time. Just constant, just a constant, constant disappointment. Yeah. Oh, actually, okay, one small thing, I guess, related to The Batman. Uh, reports are coming out, I don't know how accurate they are, that uh, Matt Reeves basically like called a bluff on them and told Warner Brothers, like, I'm going to walk away unless you give me full creative control, including changing the script that already exists. And I guess they went for it because he came back on board. That was like the, the gambit he played. So the whatever rumors have been circulating about what the script might be, even with Deathstroke and all that stuff, might get completely thrown out the window now. Ooh. He basically said, give me what James Wan has with Aquaman and I will do it. Mm-hmm. And they weren't going to and then they finally let him. We could finally get Wonder Woman's Talking Tiger. Oh my god, yes. This is so exciting. I'm sure that was his key point. That in, was in, point in, number one. His gritty Batman movie, he wanted Wonder Woman's Talking Tiger. Yeah. I don't know. So it'll it'll be interesting. I, I think that's a it's a weird dynamic going in to make a movie uh, where the I don't think this ever happened before. Where a movie of this size, where the star was once a director on it and also a writer on it, and now is neither. And now is neither. So do you think he's gonna stick with Deathstroke? Oh, I'm sorry, guys. Um, I don't know. I would be fine with it. I I like Deathstroke's character. I think Joe Manganiello would be cool in the mm-hmm. role. I wouldn't mind seeing that. Yeah. Um. Werewolf to stripper to Deathstroke. It's the yeah. the Hollywood lifestyle. Yeah. He's a he's a gorgeous man though. Oh, very much so. Yeah. 
He's, re- I guess, the term he says, a, a wolf, kind of old, muscular, like gray beard kind of thing going on. Not quite a bear, but a wolf. Yeah. Doesn't eh. matter, does it? Nah, I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't really either. I mean, it makes sense because he played a werewolf. In oh, that's True right. In True Blood, I've never, never watched True Blood. Oh, wow. You're not missing much. Yeah, that's kind of what I heard. As someone who was dedicated to the first two seasons. Well, but we've already seen time and again your dedication to mediocre at best entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> and I will stand by all my mediocre choices. And that's why I love you, Cameron, because you always stand behind. <laughs> I actually, I, uh, I almost got into a debate with someone about Triple X3 the other day, but we got cut off where we could How really get into it. How great it is? Yeah, that's, that's what he started with. I was about to chime in, again, not having seen it. And uh, we got cut off where we could actually you know, I'm, I'm get up so full heartbroken. I'm so heartbroken that it's already out of theaters. I wanted that oh, to be in no, theaters all shame. year. It's like, oh. I'm having a bad day. Like, at least I can go watch Triple X. Oh, yeah. No one says that, but I'm glad you do. I do. It makes it special. So, but uh, we do have actual things to talk about this week, including yeah. I Am the Night, which I've seen pop up in a few places as considered one of the better episodes. Yeah, I, like I love lists. this episode. It was great. I think there are things about it I don't love. There are some flaws, but I think the overall arc here is absolutely amazing. Um, cause I mean, even right from the beginning, really dramatic opening, it's in the Batcave and Batman's literally just sitting in his chair and Alfred comes up to him. He's like, I'm just, I'm tired. Like in, you know, his point is, it's not just that his body is physically exhausted, but he's kind of wondering like, why do I keep doing this? What's the point? He grabs a newspaper and the penguins conviction got overturned. So yeah, he had to so, get all of his work going to nothing. Yeah. So this, I assume this takes place immediately after last week. Yeah. I assume it's the same Penguin case. Probably, or at least, yeah, within a, a rough continuity of the last mm-hmm. one. Um, with, with these two episodes, I think it's really interesting to see them, I guess just with this episode, um, making it one kind of solid timeline. Mm-hmm. Like in the beginning, it was, there was a lot of jumping around, and we didn't know kind of do the police trust him? Is he part of yeah. the force? And now now they kind of have their world built. It's It's a more continuous string and everything kind of follows because this is a year after at least one year after uh, um the last what's it something in crime alley appointment in crime alley yeah appointment in yeah. crime alley yeah you're you're right that at and depending on how you break it down like this is still considered season one essentially yeah. but it's just a super long first season like on amazon it's broken up into box sets but it's still technically season one but you're right like they've reached the point now where they can start planting these threads. Like we saw it even with the Riddler, right? That, you know, that his motivation in his second episode was triggered from his first one. Um, you know, we get little bits with Barbara coming in there. We see that he's going back again to Crime Alley. Leslie Tompkins comes back. Like, yeah, you're right. It's it's a world that's built now, and we get to live in it. Right. And that, that works great for Batman, because it is his world that's super interesting, more so than just him. And I, I think this the overall arc of this episode of him kind of doubting himself, like, would be hard to do anything other than a television episode. Yeah, but, yeah, I, I couldn't see this in any other. I mean, comic be, be yeah. fine medium, but yeah, this is n- never something. I mean, it was kind of the beginning of this. Kind of felt like the beginning of the Lego Batman movie, where he's kind okay. of like, yeah, a little bit. Uh, but what I wanted, I want to kind of talk about one point very mm-hmm. briefly. The idea, and it's a very common idea for a lot of superheroes and a lot of comics. And it's, um, am I doing good or am I causing more evil? Oh, yeah. And I feel like that's kind of the struggle he's feeling right now. 
of would all these villains be here if I wasn't here? Yeah. So obviously Joker is is the prime example. Mm-hmm. Like Joker wouldn't exist without Batman. That's yeah, been but would Two Face exist without him? Maybe not, because yeah, one could would, argue probably not. Right? He would he would have probably still been brainwashed by Poison Ivy. They would have been oh, married, that's, that's and he'd true. be dead. Yeah, or even yeah, even if that hadn't happened, even in the the episode where Harvey becomes Two Face, yeah, he'd probably just be dead. Yeah, not wounded because she poisoned him. Yeah, and they didn't have a cure. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> So there's so, two villains yeah, that, right off the bat. Yeah, no Two-Face. No Two-Face. Uh, the the city would probably be frozen from Mr. Freeze because no one stopped him. That's true. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, there'd be no Harley if there's no Joker. There's no Harley. Yeah. Uh, the Riddler really wouldn't be a villain, would he? He would no, have gotten, gotten his revenge and then left. Right. So he wouldn't be terrorizing the city ever. Penguin, meh. I don't know if he'd ever, like, rise up to the occasion. Yeah, he just kind of robs people, but mm-hmm. he, he doesn't really do these, like, big crazy capers. So, actually, one could argue that without Batman, there would be a lot of very individual people that would have had bad things happen to them, but maybe overall the city would be in a better place. A little bit. Yeah. Except there'd be a giant bat flying around, because he would have never cured Man-Bat. Oh, that's true, Man-Bat, yeah. Someone would have taken him down. The city would be very scared, because no one's stopping Scarecrow. Okay, yeah. Actually, no, it would have been just the university would have been scared. I guess that's true, yeah. <laughs> but you're all right. Like, that is, like, the classic hero's dilemma. I, I think specifically for Batman, too, it's a big thing. It's like, is he actually helping? And um, he's starting to doubt it right there in that moment. He's like, I forget some of his dialogue, but basically he's just like, you know, I keep going on and on and on, and should I just give in? Yeah. Just and let it go. Am I actually doing anything for the city? Yeah, because, uh, you know, he... He gets uh, two roses to go take to Crime Alley because he's going to go meet Leslie there. And he gets there. And what, is, what does he say to her? It's like, oh, like, I'm here. She's like, oh, you know, you're here again another year. He's like, well, maybe this will be my last year because he's really starting to doubt himself. This was a, yeah, I felt very sad during this episode. I did too. There was a lot of negativity. I felt like. It's very melancholy. I felt like this wasn't Batman. This was just a kid who shopped at Hot Topic and got like, a Batman <laughs> shirt emo. walking around. <laughs> Oh yeah, that was a thing. There's like bat merchandise. Yeah, getting that, sold. A not just a store, but a 24 hour. Oh, that's bat right. store. Yeah, like a 24 hour 7-Eleven, but just for Batman stuff. Batman Slurpees. Hey, you know it's in demand. Bat snacks. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's in demand. Yeah, because there's the the guy. What's is, is him? Wiz? It's Wizard. What's, Wizard. Wizard. Voiced yeah. by Seth Green. Seth Green. Which this would have been a really young. Yeah, Seth Green. Because so you think about it. I mean, he, I guess, would have been like Buffy and Austin Powers are kind of his. I was gonna ask how old was he in Austin Powers. Ah, uh, I don't know. I'm mean, gonna guess 16 to 18. I could look it up. I mean, this so would that would have been in three years earlier. That would have been 95. Yeah, this was 92. So was was he in the first Austin Powers? I yeah, he was. was. Only... Yeah, he was in all three of them. Okay. Yeah, because that's the whole point is that he's uh you know the um they froze. Yeah, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, but yeah, I'm not gonna go into it. But yes, he was in the first. No, no, no. Let's go into the full the full plot of Austin yeah, the, Powers. I, I, you know, I love Austin Powers. All three of them. I get the first. The third one's not as good, but it's got Michael Caine in it, and I love Michael Caine. Uh, he would have been about 19 when he okay. did this. 18, 19. So, what are we doing with our lives, man? I. It's so this. <laughs> it's this. Yeah. It's about it. Uh, oh, no, he was doing stuff back in the 80s. Now nah, he got tons of work. He's fine. All right. Um, but yeah, so he Batman's doubting. Is he even going to keep doing this? Maybe, maybe not. He meets Wizard. 
who is getting wrestled because he's not given his cut. Yeah. There's a weird, weird little storyline. He's part of a gang, and he's not kind of paying his dues, and so two of the gang members are beating him up. Batman swoops in. Wizard is not appreciative. No, like, like I could have handled. My, I could have. Could have done this myself. Yeah, don't worry about me, Batman. Uh, and so Batman feels bad because people don't want him to save the city, or people don't want his help. I guess is yeah. how he interpreted that message. Yeah, he's even more doubting than he was before. So he he sends Wizard to go back to Leslie's facility. Kind of, whatever, yeah, kind of like her. Like I a, assume it was like an orphanage, like a, like a halfway house sort of yeah. thing. I think. Um, but because he stopped in Crime Alley, and because he stopped. Uh, this guy from getting beat up, basically he thought he was doing the right thing. He's late for a siege on a crime boss's headquarters. The, the jazz, the man, jazz man, who I despise. The jazz man. I was really hoping he'd have a cooler suit. Yeah, he just. I wanted like, um, what's the the Flash villain, the musical one? Oh, oh, the, some, the Pied Piper. Is it the Pied Piper? Is there another one? I feel like there was one. It might. Is that the one that was in the Flash TV show? Uh, I think so. I'm going to look up music villain Flash. I feel like there's one more that I'm missing. It's something wizard. Oh, the Music Meister? I think that's the one I'm thinking of. Oh, yeah, because they're doing the crossover episode, the musical crossover with the Flash and Supergirl. Yeah. And Darren Chris is going to play the Music Meister. Yeah, he is. I will actually probably watch that that episode. That that sounds like it'd be pretty awesome. Uh, But yeah, the thing I don't like about the Jazzman is so he is just their generic villain of the week. I mean, he's right up there with the the Sewer King and whatever that weird boss guy was. Don't you dare put anyone on the same level of Sewer King. (laughs) But that's basically it. He's just like, okay, they gave him a a characteristic. He loves like jazz stuff. And so it's all music puns. And it's like, you know, this guy's out of tune, that sort of thing. And I hated all that because it was so corny. And every single word that came out of his mouth was incredibly cliched. Yeah. You know, it, like later on, he's talking about like, oh, yeah, like Gordon, like nabbed me six years ago and sent me up the river. So he's got something coming to him. And it's like, this is so I, I like in this episode, Batman's arc. I hate pretty much all the context they put around it. I hate the music meister. I hate the character of wizard because there's like not really a point to him being there. And I'll get to the, his horrible resolution, to his arc at the end. But. Yeah. Fuck the jazz man. Is guess what I'm going for here? Yeah, he was, he was a very generic villain. Yeah, um, but they like he was generic, but they were also trying way too hard to give him a thing. Yeah. I think they were focusing so much on the the emotion that they kind of just let his character slide a little bit. It almost, that's that's how I'm Yeah. This was uh Boyd Kirkland, right? It was, yeah. And yeah. it almost felt like they were kind of compensating for the really serious adult nature of the episode by mm-hmm. putting in some really kitty elements. I don't know. So specifically what? anything with Jasmine, anything with the wizard. Yeah. Couldn't stand out of them, either one of them. But anyway, so Batman's running late for this, this siege and uh, the guy almost gets away, but Batman stops him. Mm-hmm. But in the process, Gordon is hit. I, I like said out loud, Oh shit. When, yeah. when Gordon was down. Gordon got shot, I assume. I think so, yeah. They don't, they don't <clears> go into specifics, but yeah, basically, like, they look around, like, where's Gordon? They look back, and there's, like, a, a, a street lamp, like, illuminating him uh, motionless on the ground. In, this is intense. I think this is the same pose that his dad was in. Oh, Because right. he keeps making yeah. the connections between Gordon as kind of a surrogate father. Yeah, same age as his dad when he got murdered. Right. Um, that, that was in the episode. We don't just know that offhand. Yeah. No, I just know these things, Cameron. I, I assumed you would. <laughs> um, yeah, so I 
I'm trying to remember the like the outline that you always see. Oh yeah, I mean yeah, he's kind of like, yeah. I think out. this is great for an audio medium. I hold my hands up. In oh the yeah, air. they'll get it. Yeah, everyone just hold your hands up like it's you like, assume Thomas like Wayne you. is lying yeah. on the ground in a puddle of some blood. Imagine what does Thomas Wayne look like when he's shot and dead on the ground? That that was what Gordon looked like. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, so Bullock blames Batman. Batman blames himself he goes back to the bat cave and he just wrecks like his little little lab and this is where i have a, a specific animation question for you so uh these episodes are it's cell animation right mm-hmm. so that's when the the foreground is drawn separately from the background and then they're they're merged right so that's why we can tell exactly what he's going to smash because it's a foreground animation and it has like it, it looks different in the background right yeah they usually try and bring like if it's something that prominent, they'll they'll either distinguish it with colors or different, like uh, like brighter lights and, uh, like, and stuff. Like if it's an object that the the characters can interact with, you can kind of see ahead of time, right? For the most part, I and mean, that's just a generic animation technique of because you because you want the audience's eye to be there already. Okay. So you're not missing an animation. Right. But I guess what I meant specifically was like, so he, he walks up to the, the console and you can tell like it's telegraphed like a good like three, four seconds before he actually touches it. He's going to pick up and throw it because it's illuminated like he is, not like the background is. So my question is, why doesn't that look that way in like modern animations? Like if you go and watch a Justice League episode, why can I, how come I can't tell what the objects are they're going to interact with? Is it because it's animated differently? Like what changed? Uh, no, I th- did it just get better? I think it's just a different style. I think since Batman was meant for a younger audience, they kind of made that more prominent. And I think if you if you watch other cartoons meant for younger audiences, you'll see that um, everything will be a little more telegraphed. And obviously, the biggest one would be the 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 most most extreme end would be like Dora the Explorer where everything is super telegraphed all the time. Yeah. Uh, and it's because the brain doesn't like to make the connections themselves. They like to be told what they should be looking at. See, but I guess what I'm getting at is you go back and watch like like an old Scooby-Doo episode, right? And they're walking along, and you can see a, a potted plant that is drawn. Like, it is clearly on the uh, the character animation cell, not the background animation cell. Because the character's going to go jump into that, right? Mm-hmm. So you can you can just see it's drawn differently. You can tell that's what's going to happen. If I were to go and sit down and watch like like a Danny Phantom episode, you don't see that. Or I think even at Justice League, like at that point, like the the layers are less obviously distinct. Is it just just that animation evolved to the point where it all looks sharper? Or yeah, the, the that, backgrounds look less dull. I guess what I'm getting at that that could be a reason. It also could be a budget thing. Oh, uh, if you okay. have more money, you can actually put in the time to make all the different layers. Because I'm, I'm pretty sure Justice League was all digital by that point, by the yeah. early 2000s. Because, like, you know, I, I've been catching up on some of the uh, the DC animated movies. And, like, that, too. Like, maybe sometimes you can see it, but it's not so obvious. It's not like you walk in, like, oh, that table is going to get chopped in half because it, like, doesn't look like anything else in the room. Yeah, they, they've replaced it with, uh, instead of, like, lighting and color change, they've replaced it with better framing and better kind of cinematography for the shots. Okay. So now, um, if you think of that shot, Batman kind of enters from the left and table's already centered. Yeah. So you know that that's the prominent thing because that your eye is going to go to that before uh, it goes to the character. Okay. And so if you think of more modern cartoons where there's a more kind of... Uh, more layers than just kind of foreground, midground, background. Mm-hmm. 
the framing of the shot will tell you where to look in a better sense. If a character's moving one way, your eye is obviously going to go that way. Yeah. So a, bi- a main rule of animation is just, like, don't make the audience think. Okay. Just kind of make it as easy as possible. Yeah. And I, I think your point of the budget actually makes a lot of sense because I think back to it now, and I think part of the reason that, for me, sometimes the animation of the show looks so crappy is because the most I've watched of this show is Phantasm, which they obviously had a serious budget for that. And I don't recall, like, seeing those really obvious, like, markers, if you mm-hmm. will, whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it was, yeah, budget and timing. Okay, yeah. So then who did this episode? Who was the animation company that uh, did this? I forgot to write it down. Sun, yeah, Sunshine, Sunspot, okay. something like that. I'll, I'll tell you guys next week. Okay, yeah, because I, I, there's a lot of moments in, in this, and I think especially the next episode, where the animation's kind of crappy. They, they have some, some drops. I, I noticed a couple, like, duplicated frames that that weren't meant to be there. Yeah. And, uh, and you're right. Batman just seems a lot boxier than he did before. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, a lot of it didn't bug me too much. Not as much as like, um, Oh, uh, I forgot their name. Cause they don't serve to be remembered. Acom. Yeah. Not as much as Acom usually okay. pisses me off. Yeah. They're pretty horrible. <laughs> they, their their last few got better. They just had small blips here and there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, the, these guys are. I think they'll they'll do fine. Yeah, they're generally better, except for one specific uh, critique I have in, in the next episode. Okay, but so in this one, moving very slowly along. Uh, so Batman like storms out. He's like all upset. Alfred's freaking out because he's just even moodier than normal. Um, and then through like a quick bit of exposition, we discover that the Jazz Man is being uh, kept out at Stonegate Prison. I don't know if we've actually ever learned the name of the prison because we've always assumed it was Blackgate till now. Right. But it's Stonegate. They actually say it. Yeah. I don't think we've actually heard them call it that before. And they were going to send him to Arkham. No, they were going to no, send they're... him to County, but County oh, was full, full. So that's what they okay. send him out okay, to, yeah, yeah. to Stonegate, which is just as easily escapable as Arkham. As every other as prison. Every other thing. So what is, I, I was kind of like half paying attention. Doesn't he like just hide in a laundry cart yep. and get like pushed out a door? Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Every, I feel like Laundry Card is like the most generically written. Everything about this is super generically written. He's like in the in the the prison yard, like complaining. The guy's like, "Oh, like don't let them hear you." But hey, if you talk to like Freddy Five Fingers over there, he'll get you out of this pinch. Yeah, you see? Yeah. So so bad. Uh, so Jasmine makes it out. Uh, yeah. Dick comes along mm-hmm. to kind of try and cheer up Batman. Like, hey, Jasmine's escaped. You got to come. Save him. Batman's like, what's the point? Yeah. You know, I, I'm not going to be able to, I, I'm not saving anyone anymore. And he gives him kind of a half-assed speech. I actually really like this speech. Because so, I mean, basically he tells Dick, he's like, look, like one of these nights I'm going to go out there and someone's going to get me. Maybe it's going to be the Joker. Maybe it's just going to be some lucky punk. I'm okay with that. But I'm not okay with anyone else getting hurt in my crusade. not Gordon, you, Alfred, he's like, I don't want anyone else to have to suffer because of what I'm trying to accomplish. And like, that's, that's Batman in a nutshell, right? I mean, that's, that's part of what makes him so compelling is because it's so contradictory. This is a guy who wants to be a loner, who his whole crusade is to make sure that nothing happens to other people who happen to him. But along the way, he's collected this family of people that are also doing the same thing as him. And that he 
at a certain point kind of actively seeks out those people while also trying to avoid them and protect them. It's one of it's what makes him so interesting. Yeah. And why I think he's so much more interesting when he's not in a vacuum. And I think that was kind of part of the problem with even Nolan's movies is that he was basically just Batman the whole thing. Alfred was there. But he's more interesting when he has a team to work with. Yeah, absolutely. So, I, I mean, yeah, it was, it was kind of a weird speech, but I really liked that movie. I think just, I, I say half-assed, because I think this episode just made me feel so just bad that yeah. nothing was going to cheer me up. <laughs> nothing was going to drag you out of the, the depression hole it was bearing you in. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, I like that. I, I think that's probably the most vulnerable we've ever seen him in the oh, show. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah, and it's the most yeah, honest. And it was great voice work by yeah. Conroy in this episode. Like we, I feel like we haven't given him praise in a few episodes. Yeah. But my God. I mean, it, it goes to show that a good voice actor is not just someone who can do weird impressions. Like, a great voice actor is still acting. And if anything, it's harder because you have to put all that in just your voice. You don't have your, your face right. to do it, too. And my God, is he so damn good. So, yeah. But, I mean, everyone around him is backing him up really great, too. I mean, Lauren Lester is great in this episode as, as Robin or as, as Dick. Because you can, a lot of times he plays it kind of like playfully and goofy. But, you know, kind of like with Conroy, there's that pitch change when he's all of a sudden serious. And uh, you believe him. Like, you believe that he really wants to help Bruce. And he's kind of mad at him. Right. Too. Uh, there's also a point in that little speech. We'll, we'll, we'll get off the speech after this. Um, <laughs> it's a good speech. It is. I, I take back what I said earlier. Um, when Batman was voicing his concerns, it was pretty much exactly what he was talking about in Robin's Reckoning. Yeah. With him, with him not wanting Robin to go out because he's afraid of losing someone else. Yeah. And now that he's kind of at that stage of losing someone, he's kind of just quit. Yeah. I think it's, it's a very interesting tell of character where he's just like... I've already lost. What's the point of continuing? Yeah. Well, and, and they're smart about uh, the context that they put this episode in, right? Because it's like the perfect storm of things that would upset him. It's, you know, the anniversary of his parents' death, which is clearly always going to be like the low point of his generally low year that he's going to have. Uh, you know, he goes out. He, you know, like the roses get trampled. So like the little memory of his parents, like his small way of like saying goodbye and like treasuring them gets ruined. He tries to help someone who doesn't show an appreciation one of his closest friends, his allies, his father figure gets wounded. Like all this happening in one instance, it makes sense that this might finally be the thing that would tip him over the edge of being like, no, I can't do it anymore. More than anything else has happened. Right. It's genius. And I love that part of it, but we really quickly got to get right back around yeah. to the crappy parts, which I don't like as much. So, uh, uh one, one last quick question. Yeah. How do Dick and Barbara know each other? I don't they think they've college established together? that yet. Yeah, because Dick's at the hospital with Barbara. And they're talking very casually. Yeah, so I guess, I think college. I think it's, a, it's, a, it's kind of clarified in a later episode that that's how they meet I, each other. I hope but... so. I, I, was, I was worried I missed something. Yeah, I kind of had Because they talked they where they like, were already other? friends. Yeah. And I don't know. It's been such a long time since I've seen enough of this. They actually date, right, at one point? I I, 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 I don't remember. I don't know. We'll find out. Find out next time. <laughs> Eventually. Uh, so Jazzman comes up. Oh. He, a lot of very realistic gun drawings, which I think is like close up guns. Yeah. Which I think is interesting. I think it's to kind of play on the emotion of it's the same. It looked like the same gun that you always see in the flashback episode or in the flashback moments with his parents. Yeah. So obviously that was a big thing for Batman to see the revolver every time. 
Um, yeah, because, oh, yeah, right. So he um, <clears throat> he's about ready to give up, and Robin decides, I'm just going to go and find this guy on my own, because you have to help save Gordon. And Batman's not going to, and then he changes his mind. He's like, okay, I'll, I'll, this is my hunt. Yeah. I will find him. Uh, so they get in a little tussle outside the window. Yeah. He breaks in the window, and Barbara puts up some kind of sheet that... Oh, yeah. I didn't what? understand that part. I, 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 I took it as, like make sure the glass doesn't get through maybe i guess yeah i don't know he broke through the window easily tore through some kind of sheet she put up yeah there's another tussle inside he pulls out a gun batman does points at a gordon yeah points at a gordon the batman does the perfect batarang saving throw yeah slow motion throw which i thought it was gonna hit his hand and knock the gun out but nope, it goes straight into the I barrel. I thought it was going to be a much more like, I mean, obviously it's a kid's show. I don't know why I thought this, but I thought it was going to be a much more like near fatal hit of like last ditch effort. It's him or Gordon. Yeah. But I just, I, this episode I, put me in a real bad place. It, it was, it was, I, I just love in that moment though. So uh, if you can imagine the way it's laid out, like Jazzman is pointing the gun directly at Gordon and Batman is perpendicular to that and throws a batarang i'll, I'll say 45 degrees i'll give him a little leeway yeah maybe i mean it's it's i would say on the it was more of i mean when he pulled that out of his pocket it looked more like a boomerang no, it's but then when shuriken. he threw it's, it's it shuriken. it was a shuriken, it's a shuriken yeah so he's, I, i'm trying to give the animator some leeway i'm not yeah so he somehow throws at the side of the gun a batarang that goes in the barrel and causes the gun to misfire and gordon's fine yep he's safe everyone's happy uh what oh god and this is when it gets super cheesy and for me completely lets down like this great dramatic tension is that gordon kind of like i guess the gunshot wakes him up Mm -hmm. and he's like oh i just want to go out there and and be a hero like you batman he's like no you're the hero jim like well i think it was i i i interpreted that as the idea of i mean i don't think they wrote it well i think if they wrote it more of like batman wanting to be not a vigilante i think that ending would have made more sense mm-hmm. uh because i saw it more as like the idea of you always want to be what you're not yeah uh there i was, get that there was an image that i saw a few months ago that, that was kind of the depiction of that and it was kind of six people at a gym and it was the really fat guy mm-hmm. looking at the kind of skinny guy mm-hmm. being like oh i wish i was that and the skinny guy looking at the muscular guy being like oh i wish i looked like that and the muscular muscular person looking at the more muscular person and the regular like the big muscle guy looking at like the average person he's like oh i wish i could just like, eat whatever i wanted and you know I, that's how i interpreted that scene yeah. just like everyone wants to be what they're not yeah i guess i, I think my problem with it is that they drop batman with these like big sad eyes he's like grabs gordon's hand it's like no it's like it's okay man and i just i didn't that it just bugged me because the batman's not supposed to be that emotive like i get that this is like a he was he was in a he was in a bad place yeah this is an atypical moment but like he just the the big sad droopy like sad bat eyes didn't work for me and then i thought it was even worse when uh, after he's left Gordon and he like happens upon Wizard, he was thanked. We don't need to say anything else about that. He was thanked for doing a good job. He was, but he's got this. I don't care about what Batman was doing. He, he was. Thanked. He's got this stupid smile. I on don't his care. Face. He was thanked. I would have been fine if he smiled after Wizard left, but he didn't. He smiled as Wizard was there, and Batman doesn't smile in front of people. So you have to know that he appreciates his thank you. Batman doesn't care about. Batman cares. Batman cares more than anyone. That's why he's the drama queen. 
<sighs> okay, so you know what? We, you know we, what? we talked about a lot of bad things in this episode. This is a really good episode. No, yeah, I, I was nitpicking. So, like, cause I, I genuinely love that idea of him having, like, a uh, a crisis of conscience is what he's doing. I guess they, they kind of did it in The Dark Knight, right? Like, a little bit. Like, I'd say after Rachel dies, he kind of has that moment. Yeah. But it's not... I don't know. I thought this was kind of more effective, just the, the trappings around it didn't quite work for me. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. I feel like you could actually do this arc as part of a movie almost. Of him retire. I mean, that was kind of the first half of, not half, first third of um, Dark Knight, Dark Knight Return, Return Rises. Yes. Ugh. Yes and no. Why do they all sound the same? Yeah. I, I'd say no on that one. Because I think it's implied that his retirement was kind of triggered by two things. One, as injury. It, yeah. Well, I mean, it was it was, or I guess by a number of things. It was injury. It was Rachel's death, and it was um, choosing to become a villain, and that allowed Harvey, like that legislation, yeah, to get passed. So it, was, it was like basically the city got saved by his indirect action. That's not the same as him um, being trapped in an endless cycle and thinking maybe there's no point. Because mm-hmm. again, that's one problem with the Nolan films is it they tried to condense. Um, elements of a character that had existed in comics for even if you like don't take it all the way back to the beginning, but you say you take like most comics now he's been doing it for what twenty something years. Yeah, something they tried like to that. condense that into what is essentially essentially like a six month run as Batman and then like a one day reappearance, and that doesn't work. Like, the whole point is that it's, this guy does it again and again and again for years and years and years, and that's what this does. That I don't think Nolan's films quite did. It would it would justify his yearning to leave. Yeah. I don't know. I agree. So many things I want to talk about in that. <laughs> That's fine. I think we need to jump to the next episode. I, I think I think we do. We're kind of lagging along here. Yeah. 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 A little bit. Uh, um, off balance. Oh, wait, hang on. I remember this time because I put in my notes. Uh, I'm going to cut in the promo. Oh yeah. Instead of forgetting like I did last week. Hey, listen to Sequel Squeal, the podcast where we watch a movie and all its sequels. Right, Benny? Yes, you are correct, Chad Foglin. Right here on the Nerdist School Network. Yay, us! Yeah, we're done. That was good. <laughs> and that was it. Okay. That was so cool. Everyone should go listen to that podcast. Uh, I think it's Sequel Squeal. Oh, that's actually a cool podcast. I haven't listened to it. It's um, Chad. It's Chad, Chad Fogeland. Yeah. I love that man. co-host is. I don't remember. I just love Chad. Yeah, he's pretty awesome. He's cool. Go listen to it, He guys. used to be on uh, G4, and I was very jealous. Oh, no shit, really? Stories. Yeah. He was good friends with uh, Blair Butler, who's one of the lead writers of Attack the Show and X-Play. Encyclopedic knowledge. Comes yeah. in handy sometimes, man. I know. Such a sweet, sweet man. <laughs> so we got, uh, we got some off-balance here. The introduction of the Society of Shadows and Talia. And more importantly, Count Vertigo. Oh, good old Count Vertigo. A uh, voiced... By Michael York, which I was excited to see. With a horrible, horrible accent. Horrible accent. Do you know who Michael York is? Not a clue. He was Basil Exposition in Austin Powers movies. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's in tons of stuff, too. He's in, like, The Four Musketeers back in the day and so many other roles. But I, I adore him. He's absolutely fantastic. Um, but, yeah, uh, Batman is interrogating a informant mm-hmm. at the top of the Statue of Liberty. The Gotham City Statue of Liberty. Yeah, because they were not in New York. No, so but I guess that means that New York doesn't have a go- or a Statue of Liberty of its they own. They just moved it. I guess I'm sure <laughs> someone. I'm sure some supervillain tried to steal it, and Batman stopped him. 
Like you can bring it back if you want, but yeah. I'm not. Let's, I'm not doing that. Let's take one of the most important landmarks in all of the United States and put it into the most crime-ridden city of them all. Yeah, makes perfect sense. Um, but he's interrogating a an informant up at the top, and he knows that the Society of Shadows is moving in. Mm-hmm. It's up to something. And as he's interrogating the guy, some Society of Shadows assassins swoop in to try and kill him. Yep, which they. Don't succeed in doing right. They throw him in water. Yeah, they throw him fine. Yeah, they throw him off of the top of the Statue of Liberty, which would kill a person if you hit the water. Right. Yeah. If you can die from jumping off of the Golden Gate Bridge, which that's nowhere near. I actually haven't been to Statue of Liberty, but that's taller, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Than the roadway. Yeah, I mean that would kill you. But they just had that brief moment where the guy kind of pops up and like. I mean, he he had he had to. That was Amanda brought that up in our crossover episode of. You can't kill people. Right. That's why yeah. they always say, I'll destroy you or yeah. I'll do something instead and of I'll it, kill you. I think it, it really undercuts this episode, too, because then, so, uh, obviously, the, the informant gets away, and Batman still doesn't have his information, so he goes to interrogate the, the ninjas. And they have uh, suicide, suicide pills. Masks. Masks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I, they just, I'd... like, squeeze their necks, basically, and, like, gas fumes up, and, uh, again, you're like, did they die? But no, I guess it just, it erased their minds. Yeah. Worse well, I, that, well I knew since I knew it was a Vertigo episode, I kept waiting. I thought they were Vertigo henchmen. Yeah, I missed the part about them being in the League of Shadows. Yeah, Society of Shadows. So, excuse me, Society oh. of Shadows. Um, and so I'm like, oh, it's gonna make them. They're still high up. It's gonna make them freak out and scared. Yeah, and they're gonna just like I don't know. Oh yeah, I was for that too. Yeah, that they're gonna trigger the Vertigo thing. And um, nope, no, Vertigo is kind of the the main side villain. Yeah, kind of. I don't know. He's like the plot-driven villain, yeah. but not the one that's kind of going on in the background. So they have this device. Oh yeah, that yeah, so it's uh, sucks. It's a all sonic the moisture. No, it's a, no, 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 no. It's a sonic oh. drill. Oh, okay. So, but they that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, Wayne and I like, missed yeah, that part. So that we, we I missed a lot of this episode. I know someone who tells them. Someone tells Batman that they're after the song. No. Uh, I think oh, he, he just he, he knows. Yeah, he, he assumes. Guesses, yeah, that they're after this Wayne Tech Sonic drill, um, which is pointed out by Lucius Fox to not be a weapon. But when we actually see it for the first time, it is in the shape of a gun. Yeah. So well, more like a bazooka. Yeah, that's true. It's a huge rifle style thing. Clearly, it's a gun. Yeah, it's got a trigger. So we um, go to the transfer. They have a lot of police, and they all kind of just collapse from Count Vertigo popping up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, using his vertigo ray. Yeah, exactly. They're they're trying to take it off the docks and put it in police custody. And I actually really like how they did that effect. Like the, the whole thing kind of bends and turns, and you can see why people would get like have that kind of sensation of vertigo from it because like mm-hmm. really reality just like kind of twists into a spiral. Have you ever lost yourself in space? I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast before. Um, it's like organically freaky. or chemically induced. Uh, either either or. Okay, well, certainly the latter. Yes. Okay. <laughs> it's traumatic. I, I did it physically. Oh, um, what? I when I was uh, back in my cheerleading days. Um, <laughs> so I'm not laughing at you being a cheerleader. I'm just laughing because I love these stories. I'm sure it's gonna be good. Um, I was in a tumbling practice, or I uh, I had like a personal trainer help me figure out how to flip around mm-hmm. and stuff. And I was working on um, oh gosh, not fulls. So that's when you do a, a backflip and you also spin one time. Oh wow! In the air. Which I'd never done before. I was on the trampoline. Yeah. It was the end of the night. And they're like, oh, yeah, just try it. Like, just throw your shoulder down and blah, blah, blah. Um, 
And the way the, the mats are set up, so you jump off the trampoline, there's a mat on the ground, and then a mat on the wall mm-hmm. in case you slam your head in the wall. Sure. Which is kind of what I did, almost. <laughs> uh, but the way I landed, I landed sideways. So I'm on the ground looking at the mat on okay. the wall, but oh. my mind couldn't trigger it because I spun so fast. Yeah. In my head, the wall was the ground, and oh. I was still suspended in midair. Fuck. And that lasted a good, like, 8 to 15 seconds of me just, like, freaking out, ready to just face plant. Yeah. Before I finally kind of caught myself and be like, I'm on the ground. This is floor. This is gravity is pushing me down. I can walk. I can stand. Oh, shit. And it's, it's terrifying. Yeah, that sounds traumatic, man. Yeah. What a fucking crazy sensation that must have been. It, it's very strange. And I'm sure kind of anyone that's ever done flips and stuff like that is also felt that moment yeah but yeah losing yourself in space is not a sensation i ever want to go back to yeah because i've never had like true vertigo like i'm assuming you've seen the movie vertigo Mm -hmm. okay yeah it's like that moment where he looks down and it's like he can't like perceive his own depth from the ground it's what we saw in the last um scarecrow episode Batman did that when he was oh, hit by the gas. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that, that sort of sense of like, where am I? The world's kind of topsy turvy. Um, yeah, I've had a similar ish experience, but um, yeah, not <laughs> not for anything cool like tumbling. Um, but it is a bizarre sensation. I like the way they, they did that effect. And then uh, <laughs> Count Vertigo shows up, who is so absurdly camp. Yeah. I was fine. I mean, he's got a cape. I expected nothing less. Yeah. Because <laughs> the, big, the big twist for me was, so you see the, the waves first, and I was ready to turn and it'd be just kind of like a very poorly drawn gun that has like a circle at the end, and it has Oh, the, of course, yeah. Like, the, woo, Yeah, and yeah. I was just be spinning. That's what I was fully expecting. And then it turns to him, and it's coming from his eye patch, and I'm eye like, piece. fuck yeah. Yeah, this is, this is the villain. This is bizarre. I now know who the villain is. Yeah. Thank you, artist, for drawing yeah. him so clear for us. I, I, I was skeptical, but no, it's him. And uh, he is able to escape because uh, Talia, like, basically distracts Batman, mm-hmm. and so Vertigo gets away. And, I, again, I couldn't figure out exactly how what Batman overheard or what um, it was some major leaps in logic, but he's basically scrolling through like places that have bells. And he's like, Oh, it's gotta be that place oh, where they're hiding. No, I loved this scene. So he, he was scrolling through half of Gotham and like, I know they have to be somewhere with in this bells. Yeah. With the bell or whatever. Like when the clock tolls, he's like, Oh, so there must be things that toll. Yeah. And they went West. Uh, and, but they didn't because he was confused. So they yeah. went the other way, and he, he flashes three images. They're like, they have to be in one of these three places: either a church, yeah, a like office building looking thing, or Dracula's castle. Yeah, it is just a. Doom I wonder castle. which one yeah, it is. Exactly. Like you, I expected, like lightning to strike in the background. Oh yeah, or like yeah. bats to fly out. It looked like the castle from the intro of Scooby Doo. It did absolutely, or like uh, from Young Frankenstein to the castle in the distance. Am yeah. I- my thought was, so that is clearly where the villains are going to be. Where is this kind of intuition when it comes to abandoned amusement parks and candy factories and toy factories right. and all the really like all the obvious places? Uh, but, so yeah, so he gets there. He, he, the castle, he teams up yeah. with Talia. They because he doesn't know she's a villain. Yeah. So like the ninjas are attacking her, mm-hmm. and he goes in to save her, loses utility belt, and then they get like knocked underground by the Sonic. The cannon. Sonic, yeah. Um, they get yeah, team up to like break out of the room and she picks the lock and can also like fight people. So it's clear that she has the kind of skills mm-hmm. that it was, he has. Like, it, was, it was very much 
Catwoman situation. Yeah, exactly. Very, but a I, lot of sexual tension. A lot of sexual around. tension. But I think she is even more capable, though. Like she has very specific training, like Batman. And and of course, I think one of my neighbors is playing something. That's fine, fuckers. Um, uh, she also takes his mask off to like treat his wounds, mm-hmm. and so like she knows who he is. Right. I thought that was booby trapped. Didn't we? Get I thought that so scene too. Like, at some point, when, like, I feel like at some point, like gas came out of it or something. Or I've seen it done that way before. Mike, my thought was, why has no one else ever tried to do this? Right. I feel like in the I've got Batman in my basement. They tried. Someone tried. Oh, I could be wrong though. I don't know. If, yeah. Or did they like? Did like the kid go to do it? And then Sherman was like, No. I think that it was, was probably something stupid like that. Um, I'd like to think that there's just like a hologram of Sherman that he has whenever when someone tries to get his mask like no don't do it no just a little kid <laughs> no bad uh didn't work on talia right yeah so she, she has she, no heart yeah she, yeah she has no heart at all so uh they make their way to like the main chamber of the castle yes where vertigo has booby trapped everything and is then using his little vertigo spirally thingy and it's some um, decoy versions of that to keep them off balance in the room mm-hmm. uh, and batman's like talia trust me leads her through by keeping his eyes closed yeah Pretty smart. Uh, as someone who has tried that tactic, it does not work in the slightest. Yeah, <laughs> but you're not fucking Batman. As, that's very true. So, My mean, senses he, aren't as good. He probably spent a year with just his like blindfold on, never seeing the light, just so he could get used to the sensation yeah. of not being able to see. Oh, I remember, I remember the other time that I had vertigo. Okay. It was my own version of vertigo. I think you were there for it. It was at kickball. Not at kickball. At the bar after kickball. We were doing... Um, I don't, oh, you might not have been on I the team yet. I was there for that. Uh, we were doing Dizzy Bat. Okay, was, I was. Oh, okay. I've heard this story, but I, I was, was not there. Team for it. Dizzy Bat, <laughs> uh, and I'm the anchor. And I, I, I try to you know keep your eyes closed, and yeah. you'll be able to find your way. My other senses are not strong. They're not tuned. Not at all. <laughs> I step up from the bat, take one step, the whole world flips upside down, and I just face plant that's, like the whole ground just shakes that is beautiful straight down that is and absolutely beautiful it's caught on wonderful video yeah well of course it's always better when it's on video yeah but to uh, see me I, crawl to the i think the difference though is that batman has spent years making sure he'll never become a dizzy bat yeah yeah, yeah whatever yeah way to go congratulations <laughs> i'm not applauding that <laughs> you shouldn't uh so they make it out of the room they find count vertigo he's so surprised that they made it out oh <gasps> gasp yeah. yeah how did you do this um so he kind of he uses the sonic gun again to trap them in the stairwell. Yeah, he hit, hits them with the dizzy ray, yeah. the vertigo ray, and then uh, Talia's. I thought this was hilarious uh, when she just like I can't handle this anymore, and she jumps, and yeah. Batman's like, "What are you doing? Why, why are you jumping? What are you doing? No!" Yeah. Uh, she grabs onto the rope. Rope leads to the bell. Yeah. Bell is right next to Vertigo's ears. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and Batman jumps in, uh, grabs one of the ropes too. Vertigo gets like so discombobulated by the the chimes, like, the bells right in his face. Uh, he drops the drill. I was mm-hmm. about the gun. Same thing. Yeah. Batman grabs it, and then Vertigo falls out, and of course, conveniently lands in a river. Yeah. And again, can no one like so? That is now the we'll call it basically the third person in this episode that essentially died, but they like say no, but he didn't die, but like clearly he would have died and they treat him like he died but he landed in water so he's safe right i mean it's like uh so stupid it's like clock king he fell in a clock tower collapsed yeah. on top well, of him but they so they, it was different though because they're the, like oh he 
they like, oh, he probably died, and then we mm-hmm. saw that he didn't, so they got away with it. Whereas here, it's like he looks like he died, and they had to say that he. They no, had you to never saw Clock King again. Yeah, thought... Batman assumes that he got out. Oh, okay. He's yeah, like yeah. he he's planned all this out. I guess he would have gotten. Yeah, but yeah, they're like, oh, like Clock or Count Vertigo is like. We don't have to worry about him anymore. And they basically, everyone's acting like he died, but clearly he didn't. Just, right. I don't know, it's really stupid. Um, but of course, there's a twist. Yep. Because Batman's going to take the gun or the, the drill for himself since it is his. technically his. Yeah. He, yeah. Since it's Wayne Enterprise's wep- or drill. Yeah. Um, Talia reveals her double cross. Mm-hmm. She's actually a member of the whatever of Society Shadows. of Shadows. Society of Shadows. It's a dumb name. Batman kind of booby traps the gun. She takes the drill. She takes it, calls up Daddy. We see Roz for the first time. Uh, and he's like, test out the drill to make sure it's still working. It's obviously not because Batman broke it. Yeah, he did. Uh, and now he's on the shit list. Yep. Oh, I'm coming for you, Batman. We have yep. unfinished business. Yep. You broke my toy. Now yep. I got to kill you. Yep. And uh, I don't know. I Again, s- stupid little elements in here that I didn't really love, but I did like setting up Roz and Talia. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because it, it, they didn't do much, but they did enough to make them like, ooh, these are cool and interesting, and so pretty soon we'll be getting them again, and those are going to be some some great episodes. Yeah. Um, for what I recall. Um, I don't really have much in terms of trivia on this, other than, like I said earlier, it's, a, it's an adaptation of a, a Denny O'Neill comic. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly the plot elements of this were taken into Batman Begins, the like, a Wayne Enterprises device being stolen by the League of Shadows to cause destruction. It's all there. Um, I guess... We'll talk about more of the League of Shadows and Talia when we get to that actual episode. But I think it's been like the League of Assassins, the League of Shadows, the Society of Shadows. It depends on what medium it's in. It has a different name. Uh, I think Society of Shadows is a really stupid ass name. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just gonna keep calling it the League of Shadows. Or the League of yeah, Assassins. me too. Um, so we'll save Talia for later. I don't really have much on Count Vertigo. There's really not much there in terms of history. He's mostly a uh, Black Canary and Green Arrow villain who like occasionally pops into Batman episodes. Mm-hmm. My understanding is that he was in the comic. That they directly adapted, so that's why they used him okay. here too. Makes I think, sense. I didn't get confirmation on that. That's kind of general thing I got. Uh, do you remember when he was in Arrow? Like the two? Ah, uh, yeah, two or three episodes. Yeah, uh, he's a drug dealer. Yeah, because I, I, it's been a while since I watched them when they first aired, and I, I haven't been keeping up with it. But yeah, I, I've forgotten this that when he he's first in Arrow, he's a drug dealer, and the drug is called Vertigo, mm-hmm. and he gets the nickname the Count because it leaves like vampire like marks on people's necks. Yeah, that is the. St- stupidest yep. reworking of that character I could possibly imagine. And then a different character takes on the like, mantle of Vertigo and he is just a scarecrow and is like making people experience their fears. Right. Which I thought was kind of stupid on their part because I think there is something kind of cool and specific about Count Vertigo. A little bit silly, but you can make it work. And I, I thought that was strange that they just like kind of ignored everything that makes him distinctly Count Vertigo. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, he is kind of lame. But I mean, if you like, if you're gonna take like your only Green Arrow villain, at least make him the the regular Green Arrow villain instead yeah. of stealing the villains from Batman. Because he's like the one. Because I know he he pops up in um, the Batman as like the, the Green Arrow villain for their crossover episode. He pops up in Young Justice as a Green Arrow villain. Yeah. The uh, I'm the... pretty sure he's in a Brave and the Bold episode as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. I haven't watched that. I know he like um, one of the. Uh, DC directed DVD movies, like they did a couple shorts. There was one with Green Arrow, and it's it's Count Vertigo. It's always Count Vertigo with Green Arrow. Because mm-hmm. what's the, what what do, what do archers fear most? 
Not guess, being able to shoot, I guess. I guess oh. heights. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they can't get a good angle if they're not, if they're scared of heights. Wouldn't they be afraid of not having fingers? Maybe. Actually, no, that doesn't stop uh, Green Arrow, because we've seen that he, uh, yeah. he can lose an arm, and he's still a damn good archer. Yeah. So. I'll take this one shot. Yeah. And uh, it's not sight, because we saw Hawkeye in the Old Man Logan story. Hawkeye is still oh, uh, fine. He's, yeah, he's blind. Yeah. He, he's still got his mojo. Yeah. Yeah. Good shit. Uh, any other comments on, uh, on this? I, had, I had two little points. Yeah. Uh, one that kind of adds to the story and one that I just thought was funny. Mm-hmm. Um, the funny one, when he first talks to Gordon at the beginning of the episode, Gordon makes a joke of like, I'm going to, one of these days I'm going to staple his feet to the ground. Oh yeah. Uh, and it reminded me of the, the Pete Holmes sketch from a couple of years ago. I don't know if oh it, my was God. When he, it was yes. like the first sketch of his show on TBS. I think it might've even pre that it was college that. humor yeah but like batman's trying to sneak away and gordon keeps seeing yeah him. everyone keeps looking as yes. he's trying to sneak away yeah. and i i want that to happen in one of these episodes so badly <laughs> um and then the other thing that i caught uh i don't know if you noticed this <clears throat> uh talia obviously this is me reading into everything too close but i think this is on purpose mm-hmm. um until the big reveal Talia had part of her face covered by her hair the whole time. Oh, yeah. And the final reveal, she kind of flips it back, and that's the, that's the only time you see her, kind of her true colors. Yeah, her quote whole unquote. face. Yeah. Yeah, because I think that's kind of always been, like, a character trait of hers with the, the face kind of half covered. But you're right, yeah, I think that's the only point where we see her in her tidy. Mm-hmm. Clever little nod they did right Yeah. Now. Look at those animators. I know. Doing their shit. Yeah. Uh, this is also the same episode, though, where the uh, animators, like, completely misdrew Batman's logo to the point where it was literally a tiny little yellow dot on his chest with no bat symbol in it. Oh, I didn't I, I didn't notice that. It's real bad. That's great. Real bad. I'm glad. Yeah. Uh, anything else? No. That's, that's pretty much everything I got. All right. Well, what are your uh, bat plugs this week? I haven't... I don't know if I have anything this week. No? Uh, I've been I've been watching The Office because I never gave it a chance before. Okay. How you finding it? It's fine. Yeah? Yeah. I never, like I said, I never gave it a chance before, and so now I'm just kind of like headstrong into it. I'm midway through season five. Okay. Which, I mean, obviously shows that I care somewhat about it. Yeah. What What's happening right now? I'm just thinking when I, when um, I jumped out of The Office. What's the last thing I watched? Uh, they're, they're still in... Or they're about to get married. Okay. Um, okay and... It wasn't long after that that I stopped watching. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's fine. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Watched Fist Fight. That was meh. Yeah. Yeah, it looked kind of meh. Um, proud of myself for not going to see The Great Wall. Good man. Yeah. Look at you. Look at, look at me making good decisions. You have limits. Yeah. Wow. I'm impressed. Uh, but yeah, that's... I was, yeah, sorry. I don't have I don't have much to talk about this week. No, that's what. Do, what are you What are you watching, reading, listening to? Uh, I'm still working my way through Ready Player One. So good. It's getting really good. I I, I won't say what's happening right now because I don't want to give anything away. But it's it, like <clears> the, the the his quest is like fully happening at this. What point. What key are you at? One. Oh wow, you're still. Yeah. All right. I'm still. Yeah. You gotta speed up. It's not a long book. No, but I read slowly. I read for like five minutes before I go to bed at night. Just listen to the audiobook. No, it's I'm, Will no, Wheaton. I have so many podcasts. It's Will Wheaton. Well, that might be, and Will Wheaton is amazing, but I have all my podcasts. Like, all right. I all right. I, I know. Um, I like to actually read books, like physical books. You're insane. I, I am for so many reasons. Uh, so I'm reading that, and then I started watching, and I'm most of the way through uh, the. ESPN 30 for 30 documentary OJ Made in America. Okay. That is, there's like three three hour parts to it. 
I think I have like a half hour left on part two. It is amazing. Okay. I, because I only really know of like that whole trial in the context of someone who like has memories that happen after the fact. Like I was too young to remember the trial or anything like that. So for me, that's just always been who OJ was, was like the most famous murderer of all time. But it goes into like all the way back to his like like college days playing football and like actually talking about what a huge celebrity he was going into it. Stuff I had no idea about and talking about like the the basically the racial tensions in LA that were fundamental and the results of the case and stuff. It is fascinating, super captivating, incredibly well made. Um, it's all up on Hulu. I think okay. it it won the Oscar right for best documentary. I don't know. I, I think so. I yeah, I'm pretty year. positive it did, and um, it's great. Really highly recommend. It. I mean, cool. it's, I'll have to it's, check it out. It's an investment in time because uh, it's super fucking long, but I, it never feels as long as it actually is, though. So it's really good. Um, I think that's it. Yeah. Uh, be on the lookout around whenever this episode comes out. We might also have another big crossover episode for Logan. Yeah, we're we're off to go see Logan right now. That's what we're kind of racing through. Or actually, Cameron's trying to keep it. <laughs> I just keep uh, sidestepping us here. Uh, yeah, we're recording that pretty soon. I'm not sure exactly when it'll come out within the next, out. within a week of whenever this comes out. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, yeah. So be on the lookout for that. I know. Excited to hear good things about Logan. So yeah, I'm excited to go see it, to talk about it. Uh, that's coming up and then we'll have our, obviously our regular episode up soon yeah. as well. So 27 next week. Yeah. I don't know what the episodes are. I could look, I'm not going to. So, uh, but until then, if you want to chat with us or Tell us how shitty we are at doing podcasts. Or correct us when we give out wrong information. Especially Cameron. Yep. Uh, really you, can reach, you can reach us at the podcast at, at @timtalkpod on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Um, I'm <laughs> at Lordifer. It's been pointed out to me that I should actually spell that out. It's no. L-O-R-D-O-P-H-E-R. My last name and my first name combined. Not some oh, weird... Oh, I never actually caught that. Yeah, it's not some weird pun on, like, Lucifer or Lord, that sort of thing. No, it's, like, it's the my last name and the last or half my first name. Okay. So, that's where you can find me. Uh, I'm at Cameron.Dexter. Yeah, and, and so be sure to tweet at Cameron if he says anything wrong. I uh, have no Twitter. Be sure you to send me Graham an Instagram Cameron. message. <laughs> Make a little mini animation pointing out how he's wrong. Yeah. Because at least then he'll be I started back up my Disney stuff. I saw that. Yeah, you did a Roger Rabbit one. It was awesome. Yeah. I was trying to find the hidden Mickeys. Where were they? I couldn't. Uh, in the posters. Oh, okay. Because the they go by really fast and I couldn't like mm-hmm. couldn't see them. But I loved it. It's a really good one. Thank you. Go check it out, guys. Yeah. Uh, but until whenever you're going to hear our, our dulcet tones next. I don't know what that is. Yeah. We'll Anyways. talk to you guys later. Okay. Bye. Bye. The Nerdist School Network. For class and show information, visit NerdistSchool.com.